Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Helicopter Grandparents. This is such an interesting topic because I have a revised sense of helicopter people after podcast number 60, where we talked about parent helicopteriness and trying to find the balance between over-worrying and being too laid back. Helicopteriness is so much more interesting when we suspend judgment and explore the what, how, and why behind it. This is a unique podcast because we have three grandfathers at the table today, as well as the mom who requested the topic. I'll let them decide how grandmothers might also fit into this conversation and have a different perspective. Our grandfathers are Roberto Basile, Bruce Zalman, and Fred Goldstein. For now, let me turn this over to Laura Basile to hear what she was thinking when she thought about uh, helicopter grandparents. Laura, take it away. Well, um, basically, I am very much of the philosophy that kids should jump in puddles and uh, climb on trees and get themselves dirty eating because they're doing it themselves and use their hands. And every time we do this, with my daughter, my dad's always like, look, 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 she's about to climb a tree. And I'm thinking, fabulous, awesome, she's about to climb a tree. And he's thinking, run over there and make sure she doesn't climb that tree because she could fall down and hurt herself, you know. And um, So when I saw the topic of helicoptering, I thought, Oh, I don't helicopter, but my dad certainly does. Interesting. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to let him jump in. But my first question for you is, do you think he was overprotective or cautious raising you? Both. Do you think so? Okay. Yeah. So, and, and that's one thing that we did discover in the other podcast on helicopter parents. And that is, especially, and we had a dad at that table who was the, the designated helicopter. And he was... A gentle soul. He was one of those sensitive people that felt very, very deeply. And so sometimes the helicopteriness, I'm already defending it, see, comes from, um, from, from a personality style and a temperament and not a parenting style generally. Roberto, did you know you were a helicopter grandparent? Yes, I knew. <laughs> I knew. Because uh, it is notorious that Italians usually pay particular attention to kids. Mm, they are behind them always. Okay. Uh, when I drive in Italy sometimes and uh, her mother is with me, she says, slow down because a kid can cross uh, the road. And I say, well, but, you know, in this country, they pay attention to them. So I slow down, but, but uh, usually it, it's what happens. Um, 
And as a matter of fact, yeah, I was paying attention to her when she was a kid uh, because uh, danger is all around, I mean. So you have to, to take care of them. So we're, we, we want to keep alive a cultural tradition mm-hmm. and, a, and a cherishing of children, especially mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. children who need protecting. How does that play out um, in terms of g- Ita- young Italian children becoming risk-taking, adventurous grown-ups? Uh, probably um, they're not so... Uh, confident in themselves when you are too pushing them. But um, this uh, is a phase that comes out uh, later. When they are too young, the parents have to take care of them and make some decision for them. Otherwise, uh, it's big mess sometimes. Okay, so he's going to plead culture, which which is going to be hard to argue against. Mm -hmm. I love it, though, because I also know that Laura is a very independent, adventurous, outgoing, assertive woman. And so mm-hmm. um, the contradiction is, is there. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's find out from Bruce and Fred how they got to this table and what they think of helicopteriness. Well, uh, this I, is got, Bruce. I got to this table because uh, I, I got a very nice email and uh, I had no idea what I'm getting involved in, but uh, my daughter... Uh, asked if I would uh, partake, and uh, uh, I have acquiesced in all of her requests. So (laughs) here I am. And so um, you're a hands-on grandfather. Tell us about Ellie. Well, we uh, uh, deal with uh, 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 or take care of Ellie every day from around 3 till about 6 or 7, and uh, sometimes on the weekends, and it's been a uh, probably the hardest job. I've done some hard jobs in my life, but this is the hardest job, but the most pleasurable job that I've ever undertaken in my life. So, uh, so it's you been had, life-changing. And you'd asked before um, how I defined helicopter. Of course, I'm, I'm not defining it yet. Right. Um, what's your sense of, of, of the judgment or that fine line of walking between being involved, hands-on, caring, nurturing... It's it's difficult. I see myself all the time uh, looking at myself through a window uh, because uh, I don't want to be too overbearing. Uh, on the other hand, I want to uh, uh, take care of my grandchild. So I have to keep visualizing myself. Am, am I making the right decisions? And uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I say back off and sometimes I say, in essence, uh, let me uh, get involved here because uh, I don't think uh, the right thing is being done. But it, it that's a difficult daily uh, thing because you want uh, you're, I'm dealing with an unknown. When you go to uh, a school, uh, uh, whether it be grade school or high school or advanced studies, uh, they don't teach you all these things. Uh, and so, uh, parenting uh, and grandparenting is a very difficult. Uh, chore, in my opinion. So I really always questioning myself: Am I doing the right thing? I I believe that there is that is the that is the process, whether it's parent or grandparent in, in a relationship, which is that you try, you try, you try, you try, you tip too far this side, you pull back, you tip, <laughs> and you're always walking a tightrope. And and it's also a collaboration with the child. Yeah, you know, and so we'll come back to that in terms of the helicopter. 
um, both of the of the grown-up children and the grandchild because I think that's the ultimate answer is how much is too much when you see a child being limited restricted or losing some mastery in the world then we pull back um, but I think the involvement comes exactly from that care concern and that question is somebody else doing it wrong it's, and, and whether that's your own child, it, hopefully it's not an in-law be, uh, because that makes it so much more complicated. You know, I think this is also interesting because the grandparents at this table all have are, are also here because they're daughters, <laughs> uh, not necessarily their sons, which might be another twist to the equation as well. So, um, Fred, um, welcome. Thank you. Um, I When I first heard the terminology of helicoptering, I had no idea what it was, but the first thing I thought of was hovering. That was the first word that came to my mind. Um, and I never, uh, I'm sure I hover to some degree, but I never considered myself to be a helicopter grandparent. Um, I tend to let the kids, I have kids in California and kids here, and I tend to let the kids bring their children up the way they want to bring it. Not my business. And I really don't interfere at all unless sometimes I'll feel there's a danger. My son in California has a fireplace and there's a brick bottom to it. And when the kids were little, they would wrestle in that room. And they came, I've witnessed very many times them coming close to banging their heads against this sharp brick wall, you know, step. And I said something to my son. He said, well, they have to learn. I said, but they don't have to learn and go to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. So I said, please, just for me, get a strip of something just to put on that lip. And that's the only time I can really remember in front of my daughter-in-law and son doing something like that. The rest of the time, when, when we're watching them, they're 11 and 9, if I'm alone with them, it's my rules. Yeah. My rules. Um, and I don't, I don't think I'm overbearing, but if my daughter-in-law says to the boys, Go out in the street and play because they're roughhousing too much. So go out in the street and play. You know, I say to myself, God almighty, go out in the street and play. So what I do is I don't want to say anything. So I take a chair and I put it out on the porch and I'll sit and I don't say anything. And I just watch the two boys or the group of kids play. And that's my way of, in my mind, protecting them a little bit without getting in trouble. Okay. Does do the grown-ups in the room know what you're doing out yes, there? Yes, <laughs> yes. My daughter-in-law will say to me, "You don't have to sit out there with them." And I say, "No, I understand, but it's a gorgeous day." <laughs> and I, you know, I, I'm, I'll get some sun, you know, whatever, you know. So that's the way I try to get around. I'm fortunate that my daughter-in-law, many years ago, said to me, "You brought up your husband. I married him, and I love him, and he's a wonderful father. You obviously know what you're doing." Do whatever the hell you want to do. It's okay. Whatever you want to do with the kids, fine. Just do it. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that respect. As far as Blake, who lives here in Carl Springs, um, John works out of the house, his father. So therefore, he's with him an enormous amount of time. So I really don't want to uh, say anything because it's my son-in-law. If I'm at the house and it's just my daughter and me, Maybe I'll say something, you know, as innocent as I could say it. But And many times, I shouldn't say many, but there are times, I, and I did this just a couple of weeks ago, where Blake is slow in developing in his speech. And they don't seem to be doing anything about it. 
So I called her and I said, is your husband home? She said, no. I said, good. I want to have a chat with you. And I said, you know, I don't know why you're not doing anything to help him with his speech. There are many programs out there. There's a lot available. It's not the money. What? I said, it's your child. You have to advocate for your kid. And he's two and a half years old and he's not talking. And maybe that's normal today. I don't know. Not in my generation. I said, so please do something. But I would never. So anyway, so that's where I am with my view of helicoptering. And, and what I love about the conversation, I'm going to throw it back to you, Laura, just to see if, if there's something percolating. Um, but what I find, and when we did the, the parent podcast, everybody is going to helicopter when they reach that edge of concern or protection. Because the idea of just letting everything go makes no sense when you love somebody deeply, whether it's your children or your grandchildren. So the question though becomes, as I'm listening to all three of you, is how do you define that danger? How do you define where that edge could be? Because, you know, clearly Laura's loving Olivia heading for that tree. Some parents, and I will, we did a, we did a podcast on Playborhood, which was this insane um, family from, in, in the best way I mean the word insane, from Menlo Park, who's built this high-risk playground in their backyard because they want risk and they want unsupervised, unstructured play for their kids. And, it's, and the parents who love this lifestyle or sense of childhood have no problem letting those kids get to the emergency room for better. I mean, it's, that seems like a real clear black and white line, but I will tell you, even something like that isn't so, dis, I mean, we all disagree, um, or those that are disagreeing disagree even with something like going to emergency. So, and you will have to take out the part about what I called Beth privately, so my son, <laughs> so my son-in-law doesn't know that I do that. <laughs> but I'll leave it that piece. Yes, I know. <laughs> All righty. So, um, Laura, are you thinking about anything hearing from the grandfathers that you want to respond to as a mom, as a daughter? Well, um, I think you know. If for me, the frustration comes from situations that aren't with danger. It's more like. Okay, uh, my daughter's eating soup. You should be feeding her the soup so that she doesn't get it onto her uh, clothes because that makes more work for you because you have to wash them. And I said, but I don't have a problem washing them. So why do you see it as a problem if I don't see it as a problem? That's what I see, you know, is um, if I don't see the speech as a problem, why do you see it as a problem? Why do... You know, that sort of thing. So is, I mean, is it even possible? I mean, all right, so Roberto. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's uh, also a cultural fact. Um, I was accustomed when I was a kid to, um, to be obedient. And uh, my parents didn't have to say a word. It was sufficient uh, to have a, 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 look. a look. A look, yeah. And he's giving and us the look. <laughs> and I understood immediately, you know. I can tell you even uh, a bad thing about my childhood, uh, which was that mm, my parents had a new radio, a German one, beautiful. And uh, me, as a kid, when they are to touch it, and my father was uh, spanking me on the hands till when I stopped, because I had to. And that was the way I was, uh, 
raised up. Sure. Uh, and um, this is a cultural fact that remains in a way. So um, sometimes it's not just uh, because there is a danger. It's also a fact of education. And you never know when it's time to give education uh, to the kids. Because if they are too young, no education, because they are too young. But there is a point when you have to start teaching them so uh, how to behave. So helicoptering is walking the tightrope mm -hmm. between um, getting involved and letting it go. This idea of when is it no longer mine to, mm -hmm. to say, to speak, and when can I just say, I disagree, I'm, I'm worried, I'm confused, but I will let this go in, and now I'm going to send it back to you, Bruce, because you, I mean, everybody is saying at the table, but what if? You know, I mean, when you said, this is the great unknown, how are we supposed, what do our children need, and how do we be this best? It's, it's a difficult, difficult, I think this is great, because each of us here uh, at this podcast uh, have their own experiences, and it's good to hear how different individuals relate to their individual circumstances. Uh, we don't have any, as I said before, uh, experiences, at least I didn't, as far as being a grandfather. So uh, I think it's great that a group gets together and, and you can hear these different experiences and relate to them in your own individual circumstances. Uh, and maybe that would be something for the future for grandparents to get together and, and do this type of thing. Uh, but going on, uh, I, I just don't uh, know how to distinguish pre, pre when I say pre-existing circumstances, um, uh, how to deal with my grandson. I have to take it on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, uh, sometimes I agree with it. You have to say no, and it's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult, very difficult thing to do when you have so much love uh, mm -hmm. and emotion in the whole thing. So uh, by hearing other people and uh, talking to other people and getting other people's life experiences, then you have to say, I, even though it's going to be a little bit painful to yourself, you've got to say no and, and, uh, uh, and help that child develop in a proper manner. Can I make a, yeah, not I'm going to make a comment. You're in a very unique situation, but I think it's also different for you because for, than from us because you are being given a responsibility and you are being given the responsibility of helping to bring up this child. It's not like you're babysitting on Saturday night. You see the kid all the time, every day, three, four hours. And that's a different responsibility and with that I imagine comes a lot of confusion you know are you the grandparent are you the parent what, what are you each day in each situation so I applaud you for what you do um, my other thing is that from my perspective I also look on it as I've got my son, my oldest is 45 my son so I've got 45 years experience in bringing up children my son has 11 years, because his oldest is 11. So I think that in many cases I have more insight. I think I have more insight into certain situations. And so you run into this 
problem of wanting to impart that information, but you don't want to interfere. And, you know, sometimes I'll leave the house and I'll turn to my wife and say, man, I really wanted to say something. <laughs> and she says, well, I'm glad you didn't because you, you just can't, Fred. You just can't. So, so we've, I'm, I'm glad Laura's here and she's in an awkward position because she's speaking for all yeah. parents with less experience. Well, um, and I think... Well, just to respond to what you said, I think that's cultural. Oh, it's good you didn't say anything because that's not the appropriate thing to do. I think in um, our culture, in, in Italian culture, I guess Latin culture, it's more, of course you should say something. That's what we do. We talk. We argue, you know. Well, I think, and I certainly think in some Jewish homes, it's very, you know, those uh, Jewish moms out there, yeah. grandmothers out there are not being quiet as no. often as. Yeah. Yeah. And as they just as, don't want their husbands to speak. <laughs> As far as the experience, sometimes I feel like I have more information because I scroll through my Facebook and it's all parenting articles. I have gone to the library and, and gotten countless books about parenting and read about them and CDs and podcasts. And I feel like I've tried to educate myself about parenting versus my parents who I think if they maybe read a book about babies... That was a lot, you know, just changing diapers, umbilical cords, and that sort of thing. I don't think my parents ever took an interest in parenting. I don't think that was the thing that you did in my... It came from a different place. I think they just said, you know what to do, do what your parents did, versus me, who's, okay, there's the sunflower child, there's um, the helicopter parenting, there's the theory that in Finland children don't have to do homework, you know, and these are all things that go through my head, so... When I'm looking at my daughter getting dirty, I think of, okay, this article the said dirt she hypothesis should. and the nature, emotional, and all the research. Okay, so we've all got a changing world. She should get biological exposure and that she should go barefoot, and that's a big topic between mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Not allowed big. to go big. barefoot versus being <laughs> allowed to get. So, so here's, here's the, the, I mean, so this is, I mean, I think this really gets at the crux of it, which is we want respect and honor for 45 years experience and knowledge and time on this planet and mistake making and learning. And then we have a new generation that says, but it's a whole different world. It's not your world. And I know better um, or want the right to choose for my children based on Let's say you're not a second-time parent, Lauren, and, and it, Laura, and it's uh, it's six months' experience. It's you know I'm coming out of the gate. I could be right in that first hospital, going, "Thank you," but I've made these choices of what my parenting and my family is going to look like. Well, I also think there are two different situations. One is at the moment, the kid is running with a stick, and you think he's going to fall and hit himself in the eye. That's of the moment. There are others that are more worldly Global, or philosophical. Sure. And what my wife and I have decided that we do now is only on issues where I'm really concerned, like with the speech. We'll, she and I will sit down, and I, as I did this with her a few weeks ago about one of the grandkids, and I said, I have a real concern about this, and I don't know what to do because I don't want to be an interfering grandparent, but I also feel I have a responsibility here. And... I think I need to say something. And we'll discuss it and decide if it's a good idea or not. At least she and I are on the same page. 
So I don't go and say something to somebody, and then she grabs me later, and my wife, and says, what are you, an idiot? What are you doing? Don't, you can't get to feel like that. So at least we have found the common ground on that, and that's our way of typically handling the larger situations. So the communication is going to be essential between grandparents, between generations, and how the rules of communication work in your families matters. And I, but I think what's really interesting is, and it comes to Bruce's point, when it was like, but sometimes when you said, but sometimes you have to say no, it's like you're in this situation, do you have the power? You're, you've given the, you're almost given the right because you're a grandparent, you're hands-on. And, and I think it's true whether it's daily or whether it's on vacation. You know, I, I really, and as the aunt who's there sometimes, you know, I have certain expectations of, of where I want to be heard and participating. But it, and I think for me, where it comes to it is you want to have the voice. You want to be able to communicate. You have to be able to speak up. But does that automatically say they will listen? <laughs> and and where how do you walk that line between I have a voice, but I might not, but they may not. Can I have a, and give an example of something Go that just it. happened? We were out in California visiting the kids. And there was my son-in-law, my son, and the three grandchildren. And we were in an SUV, and we were getting in or out of the car to go someplace, I don't know. And my younger grandson was sitting in the seat that I was going to sit in because I can't climb into the back. It, not, not at this age. I can't do it anymore. So I said, Greg, do me a favor. You have to sit in the back so Papa can sit over here. And he didn't move. So my son said to him, Greg, Papa's talking to you. And I heard him say to his father, you are my father. I listen to you. I don't have to listen to my grandpa. <laughs> so Sorry. we now get to Chinese restaurant that we were going to. And we're all walking in. And I say to my son, and I, I just took the risk. And I said to my son, Greg and I will be right in. We have something we need to do. And I took him to the corner where I saw a bench and we sat down. And I gave him a what for. Very nicely, I just said to him, the only thing I ever ask of you is respect. There's not a, a thing on the planet that I ask you for otherwise except respect. And that was disrespectful. Don't you ever do that again. He was mortified. Mortified. He actually gave me his ice cream, which... <laughs> which is impossible to do. So, but, I, but I felt that this was a situation where I couldn't let it sit and fester and that I had to say something. And knowing the way my son parents, I didn't think he would be upset. But I didn't ask permission either. And what I love, and then I'll come to you, Laura, is for all of us who lived in intergenerational homes, we know that grandparents communicate differently than our parents of every generation. You know, and even as I'm listening to your story, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's so great. But I'll tell you, like, I get like the little thing where when you say, but don't let it happen again. I'm like, ooh, 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 like those weren't words we would choose today. But so what happened, but I know as someone who's around children and believing in the research that those multiple kinds of communication, those multiple ways of expressing values, same values or different values, matter and the children are going to have extraordinary benefit from having a different perspective and even a different language and even... So, but it doesn't, so I want grandparents to be hands-on involved and speaking honestly true to themselves. 
and, and but I also know that the parents may not understand all of that. Well, when but I the grandkids away, are going to be okay with it. When I walked away from that situation, when it was over, and I came home and I told Nancy privately what happened, I said to her, I hope he remembers this conversation until he's 90 years old. Because yeah. it's an important conversation. Yeah. So let's talk about what you want. Oh, okay, Laura, hold that thought. And then what I want to, hold it, hold it, hold it. What I want to put on the table for the guys is what you want to be in the lives of your grandchildren. Because I think that's really what's going to be the crux of what you're willing to, to go to the line for. Well, what frustrates me sometimes is that my father says to me, I can't watch your daughter because she's not obedient, because you haven't raised her to be obedient, because you haven't raised her correctly. And I always say, listen, when she's just with you, you can tell her to do things the way you want to tell her, and you can expect her to behave that way. Will she cry? Will she have a fit? Probably. Is my way of resolving her crying and her fit saying, does Pete cry? Goodness, no. Ice cream's coming. Ice cream's go. You don't have to do that. You don't even know what I'm talking about probably when I do that. You probably think I'm silly. You probably think you're the mom. You make the decision. You should be able to look at her and say, Olivia, get up, get in that car, put on your seatbelt, and let's go. And that should be only said once. Do I do it that way? Probably not. I probably get fictional characters involved and try to convince her and ask her how she feels about it and have her make a choice about it. You know, and all these other things that, for my dad, take too much time. But I always give him that authority. I said, if it's just the two of you, go ahead. Do it the way you would. But if it's the three of us, please don't interfere. And please don't make my daughter feel like what I'm doing is not correct. But when the three of us were growing up, there was no such thing as, Mm -hmm. what do you think? No. Oh, I'm kidding? No, Slap in the all. face is what you're going to think. I said, I asked you to do it. <laughs> do it. So it's like the world has changed. My mother used to say, if I asked you to jump, you ask how high. Correct. I'm Correct. also the one who ran to my grandmother whenever I didn't like the rules that my parents were giving me. <laughs> so, But I'll ask you the same question I asked um, the grandfathers earlier. And that is, why do you need to defend your choices why can't you just why can't you just communicate without expecting him to hear you believe you why can't you just look and go you're right obedience isn't my priority thanks dad because when you're in the three generational situation you're not just a mother you're also a child that's right and you want to please your parents that's right and you want them to believe that what you're doing is the best you want their respect and honor too absolutely yeah. Yeah. Um, Roberto, what would you like to say? <laughs> well, I don't agree completely with her when she says uh, that um, uh, I think she is a bad mother. I, th- I think she is a good mother, very good, very patient, um, gives an education also in that way, which is a way different from the way I was raised up. Um, but um, sometimes what I say is uh, well uh, accepted because I remember once when uh, when Olivia was uh, eating at the table, she was sitting uh, far away from the table and uh, was uh, dropping everything on the floor. And I said, Olivia, why don't you get closer to the table and you eat uh, over your dish? And uh, she understood and 
also the parents understood that there was the way. And now they are telling this uh, as an example. Uh, uh, oh, good, you're doing what your grandfather said. <laughs> and other ways, too. Because I see the things. Uh, maybe I could be, uh, in a way, dictatorial sometimes. You <laughs> well, know? again, it's but, what's underlying it. The, the problem is the judgment. And, yeah. and it's the reaction. But it's love. But you know that... Uh, dictators are not always bad, <laughs> are not always bad. We have an example from the Roman uh, Empire times of Cincinnato, which was a dictator. He managed the thing in a very proper the way benevolent and then went back to work in the field. Didn't like the power, said, okay, I'm just uh, fixing the situation and then I go back home to work in the fields. You, we know usually dictators are bad. Yeah. Okay, so. And I think, I mean, as the as the advocate for the child development theories that are giving children a ton of new power in this world, I'm here to say I, the whole power equation is very interesting, and it kind of relates to this. And that is, I believe that it gets messed up when we give children inappropriate power. Mm -hmm. And so part of this discussion is. The, where those power lines lie, because mm -hmm. what I want to say is, as the new educator, I don't want to go back to pre-entitlement. Children should be seen and not heard. I don't want to go back to pure obedience, where children were put in situations where they they lost their voice, where mm -hmm. they no, didn't, no. where they weren't effective problem solvers, and they weren't mm, as active as they and participatory as they should be in the world. But the question for me is always, how do we choose appropriate power? Right. How do we give them age-appropriate power for each age and stage? Mm -hmm. Which is, and so it's, it, we're not, I don't want to have to defend the old way. I don't want to no, defend, no, no, no. Our, or the new way. I want to find what's working for children right. um, to grow into the people we want them to be. Um, Bruce, I know he's, you're like, Bruce is like still waters here. Uh, I, I know he's thinking. Um, so if you have any reactions to this, and then I want to know, well, I, what I, you want to contribute? I like these other two gentlemen. Is is a traditionalist. I'm a traditionalist and conservative, and my bringing up is completely different to uh, than what's being done today. I have a wife who is a uh, former educator. She's a teacher, and, and she's had a lot more experience with the small children, and um, and has a master's in education and taught at the university in education. My daughters uh, uh, and my son-in-law are both are great parents, but you know we have different uh, ideas of how to raise uh, uh, possibly uh, uh, the child. But uh, what I'm getting out of this, which I think is great, is the communication, the dialogue. It has to be there. Even though I, I, I consider myself outspoken at times, I really do speak my mind. Now, it's not always heard. It is, sometimes it falls on deaf ears. But I think that I continue to try, not only for the benefit of the child, but for the benefit of uh, my children and for the benefit of myself. Yes. And I think you're right. you got to talk with your spouse. You have to keep this uh, dialogue and this uh, uh, communication going. Uh, wh whether it be small little things on a daily basis or large things, uh, I completely agree with the fact that if you've got a problem, uh, such as speech or whatever, it needs to be addressed. And uh, 
uh, it has to uh, uh, be on a continual basis uh, to resolve any type of problem. So I, I, I think this, uh, I'm getting out of this more communication. Don't, don't shut me up. Keep me going as far as uh, being uh, expressive to allow for uh, not only my grandson, but my children's welfare and benefits. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Well, I got a couple of comments. One, one is that I, I do and say a lot of the things that I do and say because I hope that one day the boys, when they get together, when I'm long gone, say, remember when Papa did that? Remember when Papa said that? Remember what Papa used to do? Even though it might have been stupid or interfering, I want it to be some legacy, some of, you know, hey, it was great when Papa was around, you know, that kind of thing. Because I don't think it's falling on deaf ears. I think it feels like it, but I don't think it is. Um, I, my observation, and I could be wrong, you'd be able to better answer this than, than I could, is that the parents today are much more involved in their kids' lives than when we were growing up. My mother used, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning after breakfast, she said, dinner's at 6. Be back. What was that all about? You know, but parents today... It's not just taking them to soccer or this or that today. They are very involved. They sit and they talk with their kids. They'll, you know, whatever it is they do. I never had that as, as a kid. I don't remember ever actually sitting down and having a real conversation with my father. I really don't. I just don't remember that ever happening, you know. Um, and I also don't think that the, your generation today, and I'm picking on you, but your generation today, I don't, well, maybe every generation, I don't think they really get how concerned, upset these kind of people get behind the scenes. You know, it's like... Yeah, I just we're, pointed to all the grandfathers at yeah, the table. <laughs> we're, we're, it's sort of like we're bringing up kids again, and we want to impart this knowledge, and some of it we know is falling on deaf ears, some is not, some we can't say anything. But behind the scenes, we really worry. And it, I don't think it's a matter of being overbearing. It's just that we do... Worry, and it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean that the kids are doing anything wrong, but you do worry, and I don't think they grasp just how deeply the grandparents really are concerned and worry sometimes. Do you think it's different than the way your parent grandparents worried about you? My grandparents um, worried about your. I mean, is is it that you're in a new place in this world? Um, I mean, didn't wasn't there always this? intergenerational, oh my gosh, these kids are really going to mess things up. And I don't mean that, I just mean it in a sense of I don't understand their choices. I don't understand this world. I, I think that a lot of it has to do with the way the world is today. And you the believe it's was, a very different, you think world, this dynamic yeah. is different. We didn't have a lot of choices when we were growing up. What do we have? Play ball, go out with your friends. What, sex what drugs, else were you going to do? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. What? Sex, right, drugs, right. and rock and roll. Right, I, mean, you right. didn't, I didn't you... do the rock and roll part. <laughs> um, and, and that's what we had. Today, the kids have unbelievable amount of options yeah. and things that can get them in trouble. Like, I, I saw a, a post on Facebook of my friend, granddaughter. His son, post, she's two years old. He posted a picture on Facebook of him in the bathtub with them both naked. Hmm. And it was obvious they were both naked. And I called my friend and said, are you, are you, what are you? He said, Fred, what am I going to do? I said, this is something where you need to talk to him. He'll get arrested. He will get arrested. He's an attorney. How stupid could he be? And he said, I agree with you. 
but he's he's going to kill me if I I said you got to bring it up. Okay, so you cannot not bring it up. The depth of the worry. Anybody? Mm-hmm. Any grandfathers mm-hmm. want to comment on? Yeah, it, uh, I worry uh, really because um, probably it's a, also a matter of experience. Since we spend uh, almost uh, two thirds of the life of our, of our life in this world in different situations we probably have a little more experience to understand where danger is or, you know, sometimes they don't see it, sometimes. Um, and that's why we... Or sometimes we see it, but we're okay with it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, go ahead first. Well, it, when uh, uh, Hillary, my daughter, was being raised... You know, I, I thought worked. you were talking about Clinton. It scared <laughs> me for a minute. <laughs> well, it is a different world. Isn't it? Stay, it sure stay, is a different stay world. Stay focused. Stay focused. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I I left the house early in the morning. Didn't get back uh, till late in the evening, and I worked uh, six days. Uh, and uh, I think I'm spending more time uh, with my grandson than I did with uh, uh, my daughter. And I deferred to my wife at that time, which she did a great job. Yeah. But uh, so it's really a learning experience for me at this point. And that's why I need this communication, why I need uh, this experience, because the way I was trained is like these gentlemen. I, my father was a drill sergeant in the Army, and he was tough. I'm going to tell you, he was tough, and he said something. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't want to be like that. Uh, I want uh, to teach him the... Uh, fundamentals of life, but I don't want to do it in a fearful way. I want to do it in a loving way. So it's a very difficult approach for me. I hope if we accomplished anything today, it is giving a forum for grandparents, especially grandfathers in this unique opportunity here, to be heard and, Mm -hmm. and, and for people to listen to what you're trying to tell us. I think the discussion's just beginning because I think this communication could go on. I mean, there's, there's so much more. Um, I'm going to get ready for our wrap-up, and I'll, and I'll give it to you first, Laura. But I think, without a doubt, we need to do some follow-up experiences and really create opportunities for some of this communication. Um, so I thank you with my whole heart. Our wrap-up is always the same at the podcast, and that is, how have you got this? Given what we've discussed today, given whatever's confusing, misunderstood, or remains to be problematic, how have you got this for right here, for right now, when you leave this table? Laura, what did you want to say? Oh, well, I just always think when people complain about millennials, I always want to say, well, you raised the millennial, so you can't complain about what I'm like because you're the one who raised me to be like this, right? Um, And how do I have it? I do believe in the research. I, you know, do believe in the marshmallow test. I do believe that you can teach children to be anything they want to be, but teach them that they have to work to be that. They can't just magically become that. You know, um, so I also believe that my father can do a lot of good. He does do a lot of good. I mean, the amount of love he gives me, the amount of love he gives my children will make it all okay. There's nothing life-threatening in our present situation that could harm my children so much Um, we're very lucky we don't live in a war zone we don't live in poverty so I think that all these other things are just marginal really and I will say on the record she said when you're going back to Italy on the 15th 
her life is going to be very different <laughs> and not anywhere near as easy, as happy, or as good mm-hmm. as it has been. So, yeah. Roberto, how have you got this? Well, um, I can uh, just tell you uh, an, uh, an old uh, proverb of the Latin, in medio stat virtus, um, in the sense that um, they can take part of our view and I can take part of their view and mediate on that. Perfect. Um, I think what I got out of this is that communication is is essential between the grandparent, the grandmother and the grandfather, the kids. And so I think talking about some of these situations are good. And what I got out of it personally is that I really don't think I'm a helicopter grandpa. I'm sure there are moments that I am. But in general, I don't think I am. And even if I am, like the two of you, it comes from loving And I can't wait. We are going to have a postscript where Fred has some communication um, prior to the beginning of this podcast that we're going to share. And Bruce, the wrap-up. Well, you know, I think this is great, not knowing what I was getting into, but uh, I I think that uh, I've got a greater uh, appreciation for communication. I think there needs to be more of it, not only among my family, but among other grandparents. Uh, I uh, like the idea of research, which I try to do. I try to incorporate uh, uh, my religious beliefs and my heritage and whatever. And I also got a greater appreciation for uh, B'nai Torah uh, for even holding this forum because it allows me to uh, reflect upon my own views in regard to my children and my grandson. So. Uh, uh, all of that gives me uh, greater insight to help uh, develop myself in regard to a uh, teaching role and a, a guidance role. Beautiful. Thank you mm-hmm. all very, very, very mm-hmm. much. Okay, so here's Fred on his postscript. The backstory here is that when I got the email from you, from Karen, asking that I do this, she said, your daughter said you'd be great at this, you should ask my dad. When I looked up helicopter parent, grandparent, I wasn't too happy with what it said. And I said, hmm, is that what they think of me? So I texted my daughter and I said, is this what you really think? She said, um, and is this bad? She said, no, 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 no. I, you're not a helicopter parent, a grandparent. I, I told that to Karen. You're not, but I think you'd be great at the podcast. But I really didn't believe it. Okay, so here's what I wrote her. And I sent it to my... Son-in-law, daughter-in-law, and son in California. Dear kids, let me preface this by the fact I am not being overly sensitive, upset, or anything else. I have been asked to be part of a podcast about helicopter grandparents. Since I have no idea what that is, I looked it up on Google, where else? All articles lean towards a somewhat negative connotation. Maybe I am, and maybe I'm not, but I do have some thoughts. I like and want to do things and say things, etc., that connect me and my grandkids with their papa. Having Chinese food, chew your food good, be nice to your brother. I, I, I do my best not to hover, but maybe I do. I just love the three boys so much that maybe I do not know my boundaries. Regardless of what I do or say, I will continue to do all of them. Let me reiterate that this is not a defense, but rather an explanation of who I am. My family is everything to me. I show it in the only way I know how. Beth, I am not upset with you that you recommended me for the podcast. Actually, I feel honored. When Charlie, Gregory, and Blake are older, I want them to be able to say to each other, remember when Papa said or remember when Papa did? I want that to be part of my legacy. Love you all, Dad. Now, 
The response is hysterical. So, this is from my daughter-in-law. I'm so glad that Beth and John moved only 20 minutes away from you so they can have all these meaningful exchanges with you. (laughs) This is seriously good stuff, and that's going to be in my next book that I write with the working title, My In-Laws, Life in Between the Blades of a Helicopter. (laughs) Seriously, I'm with Beth. You are an amazing papa, and you need... Uh, but you do need to have another outlet while you're on sabbatical from tennis. I hurt my foot and I can't play tennis for a week. Bravo, so then, then my daughter, his, her response to me was, her husband John, John banned me from Google when I was pregnant. Google could really mess up a person's mind because when she was pregnant, she looked up at Google if she sneezed, you know, kind of thing. I specifically told Karen when she posted doing this podcast that I do not think my dad is a a helicopter grandparent. However, I think he would be great for this because he could provide a different perspective. I told you in a text today that I do not think you are a helicopter grandparent and that I probably trust you more than mom, who doesn't think twice about leaving a steak knife in front of the baby. <laughs> I think Nancy peed in her pants when she read that. I think I can speak for all of us and say that you're a great papa and the boys are extremely lucky to have you and we can only hope they have memories for a lifetime. Please bump up the physical therapy so that you can get back to tennis as soon as possible and stop writing these emails. I love it. Wait, I have to, I'm on the record. I spell to Fred and to Beth saying, I am not asking you because we think you're helicopters. <laughs> Love you all. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know... You got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and the Follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.